from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reepstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measure Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Dave Reepstein, and I'm joining you here on Sirius XM Channel 111, which I do every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we are replayed throughout the week. Just came back from a, uh, a wonderful trip that I had off to Jamaica, where I was there for a wedding of a former student and former teaching assistant of mine. It was just such a gorgeous uh, event. And really, really nice. And I was there in Negril where they have cliff diving. And I, I got to the edge and I looked down and I thought, I have a show I have to do. Otherwise, I'd be doing this. So I, uh, I, I backed away. But it, it was tempting, that's for sure. And, uh, and in a different life, uh, no, I still wouldn't do it. It, it looked pretty ominous. There was one uh, place where you could go and there was a 75-foot jump into the water. And you sort of want to go down and see how deep is that water before I make that dive. But I was not one who did it. Nonetheless, it was just great. What a wonderful week we have this week. This is Thanksgiving week. And it is sort of a marketer's paradise because this is when the engines really start revving and we have all sorts of things that are going on. So in today's program, we're going to be going off down some path talking to Scott Svensson who is the CEO and co-founder of Mod Pizza. But in the second half of the program, what it is that I'm going to do is I really am going to try and understand Black Friday and uh, the Macy's Day Parade. And I will encourage you, if you have any questions about uh, Black Friday and the Macy's Day Parade, that's a perfect time for you to go ahead and and give us a call. Um, I will tell you that it's going to be fascinating to hear from Scott uh, Svensson as I say, he's the CEO and co-founder of Mod Pizza. At any time during this uh, first segment of the program, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-786. Let me remind you before we get started, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bizradio111. But without further ado, I want to get us started with Scott. So, Scott, welcome. Glad to have you on the program. Well, David, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, You know, one of the things in getting ready for today's program, I I was looking at your background, and I thought it was really, really fascinating. And I saw that you had spent some time at Starbucks and and not just, you know, serving coffee. You were running a major portion of, of the business. So let us know, what's your background? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I uh, grew up in Seattle um, and uh, uh, ended up going back east to school and ended up landing in New York right out of school to um, start my career on Wall Street. Uh, so just, was, uh, just to be really clear, you went back east to Harvard, and that's where you went uh, to school. Was that undergrad or MBA? That was my undergrad. Uh, very nice, very nice. And by the way, all of my family uh, actually... Half of my family, anyhow, comes from Seattle, and I'd always go back to Seattle, a great place to go. But, okay, so, so you got to New York, and, and what were you doing there? I started off uh, doing the investment banking analyst program and uh, really learning about business and finance, uh, which, having had a liberal arts undergraduate degree, I didn't know the difference between a balance sheet and a 
profit and loss statement. And so I had two years or a year and a half, I should say, of intense uh, uh, and rewarding um, work, working for what was then Drexel Burnham Lambert. Um, and then they gave me an opportunity to move to London. Uh, never having traveled abroad, I jumped on it to do a one-year assignment. And uh, six months in, I was given an opportunity to move from Drexel to a venture capital firm, Apex Partners, and spent three years there working with emerging growth companies, uh, an, another fabulous experience. And then was given an opportunity to work with a company that we had had some um, interaction with, which was in the long-term healthcare space. So I became the deputy chief executive of a public company that, that provided long-term healthcare and spent three years there helping to build and uh, develop their business. And it was during that time that my wife and I, having both been from Seattle, um, realized that London was lacking a Starbucks-style coffee experience. And my wife was really the driving force behind uh, us doing something about that, primarily as interested consumers who missed um, our daily high-quality cup of coffee. And um, long story short, after calling Starbucks and several other coffee brands and encouraging them to come to London to fill this void, we decided to do something about it and uh, opened up our own Starbucks-style uh, West Coast Gourmet Coffee Company called Seattle Coffee Company, which was the first in the UK. And uh, other than a concept that was then that had a few locations in Hong Kong, the first outside of the United States from all we could tell. And uh, we grew that business very rapidly. So wait, wait, uh, wait. So it turns out that the first Seattle Coffee Company was in uh, in in London. That's right. You know, oh, I, I never realized that. I had seen you here in the States, and I never realized that it started in London, and you were the co-founder of that. Yes, and, and people do get a little confused. There was a concept here in the, the U.S. called Seattle's Best Coffee, which is different from Seattle Coffee Company, which was our company. Oh, okay. Um, and so we started in London, and very rapidly over a period of 22 months, went from opening our first store to opening our 65th store in the UK. Wow. And during that time, we also, uh, with partners, opened up in Southeast Asia, South Africa, and the Middle East. And we're growing very rapidly when Starbucks approached us and said that having just expanded themselves to Japan, uh, but having a design on building a global brand, they were concerned to see that this little upstart brand had gotten a real head start in these key markets. And so after some uh, negotiations, we ended up agreeing to sell our business to them and becoming a part of Starbucks. And effectively, we became their launch pad into Europe and the Middle East. So you left your, your health system. It was health systems or health products? And it, was a, a long, it was a chain of long-term health care facilities. So nursing care and dementia care and related uh, long-term care uh, facilities. What a huge transition! First of all, to go from invest, investment banking to you know healthcare facilities, and then to go from that to coffee and <laughs> yeah. and, and coffee stores and open and, and then opening them in rapid fire. I mean, it, it's like amazing to be able to think about how to go from one to the next to the next. That's right. And and my wife and I, when we started Seattle Coffee Company literally had no retail or coffee experience before we started the business. And in, in many ways, we look back and say that our greatest asset at the time was um, our lack of experience because we had many, many uh, moments when experts 
people who had a lot more experience than we did, told us we were crazy and gave us lots of very thoughtful reasons why this wasn't going to work. Yeah, what were you um, thinking? You know, well, how, how we, could you do that when you have no experience <laughs> in this? Oh, let's start opening coffee shops. We had a very clear image in our mind of the experience and the product that we had, know, we had come to know and love from the States that was missing in the UK. And, and we just had a very clear conviction that this was a concept and a product offering that if it were brought to the UK, people would love the way we loved it. And um, sometimes if, if a product is absent or a service is absent from a market, I think people um, have the, the default assumption that, you know, we don't have it because it's not needed. And, well, I will um, point out it is a tea drinking country. And so right. tell you what, we're going to open coffee in the UK. Yeah. And we had a fabulous advisor who was a very successful and experienced retail executive who um, uh, joined our advisory board. Um, and he did so right after we opened our first store. He told us that the reason he had invested and decided to get involved was because he liked Allie and I. He had known us from our previous careers and that he wanted to make the process of failure less painful for us um, <laughs> because he just didn't see how a store could open up in London and pay the rents, not not uh, to, to mention all the other operating costs and the labor, uh, and just by selling coffee, be profitable. And um, But when we opened our first store, it uh, had the reaction that we thought, which is people really, really were drawn to it. Uh, first of all, a lot of Americans who were traveling abroad. And then one after the other, it, it just started to build. And we opened uh, our first store in April of 95 and then opened two more in December. And before we knew it, in, in January, I was re resigning from my position as the uh, deputy CEO of this healthcare company and uh, preparing to jump uh, fully into building this this nascent uh, coffee business. Wow. And did uh, so when I go to London now, everywhere I look, I see Starbucks. And yeah. uh, were those basically originally, anyhow, the Seattle Coffee Company shops that got, you know, just re-signed? And, and uh, the Starbucks yeah. logo went up, but you had picked the locations? Well, um, Starbucks has many hundreds of locations throughout the U.K. today, but the right. first 60... The first 65 of them were Seattle Coffee Company stores. Wow. And that's pretty amazing. So how long were you with Starbucks? I then stayed on for two years. Uh, I transitioned uh, Seattle Coffee Company uh, over to Starbucks and, and helped them develop their strategic plan for expansion into Europe. Uh, a, f a small, funny quirk of history is that um, Starbucks decided that our partner in, the, in South Africa um, – our partner, we had a partner in the Middle East who turned out to become a very, very significant partner for Starbucks, the Al Shia Group. Our partner in South Africa was a, were two families, and Starbucks was, was very uh, fair with them and said, we're not coming to South Africa for many years. So they freed them from their license agreement. And if you go to South Africa today, there are about 150 Seattle coffee companies uh, throughout South Africa. But, <laughs> that, um, that's, that's a very cute story. And, yeah. and, and you worked your way. You were the president, if I've got this right, the president of Starbucks Europe. That's right. Wow. I was there for two years. And, and then I decided to, you know, the, the entrepreneurial urge of building another business uh, got the better of my wife and I. And, and we left Starbucks and helped launch another concept in the UK called Carluccio's, which is an Italian deli cafe concept, really driven by 
this wonderful entrepreneur named Antonio Carluccio and his wife Priscilla. Um, and we supported them and backed them and, and a fabulous management team uh, to develop what became um, just a, a great business and a great brand called Carluccio's, which eventually went public uh, very successfully and then eventually was sold, um, but still exists today, uh, a, a great business. Unfortunately, Antonio Carluccio, who we worked with for 11 years, uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. But um, that was a, a magical experience uh, with a magic with a really special group of people. Well, it sounds like you had a good run there. So we do eventually have to start talking about Mod Pizza. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I do want to know, what is it you learn from both the Starbucks experience and the Car- Carluccio's to, well, that you brought yeah. to, to Mod Pizza? So I'd say that uh, with both of those businesses, we always uh, very much ascribed to the Peter Drucker quote that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. We've always believe strongly in building a strong, dynamic uh, uh, culture focused around our people uh, and and the journey that they are traveling, uh, as opposed to products always been very important to us, but we've always put people before product. And that was the story for both of those businesses, and that it, it served us well. When we launched Mod, which coincidentally was um, launched nine years ago tomorrow, was with the opening of our first store. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Um, we decided to add one additional element to it. Um, being culture focused has always been important to us, and really putting our people first. What we decided to do with Mod, having had two previous successful experiences, and having therefore the courage to take some more risk with Mod. We decided to put at the center of the business a purpose of using the business as a platform to make a positive impact in society. Um, and we, again, focus that on our people and through them in the communities in which we serve. But that became the, the why behind MOD. That became the reason for being. Um, and we took on this challenge of building a fabulous concept, a great culture, and, and um, you know, a business that would scale and justify investment. But we did it for the purpose of trying to um, use the business as a force for good and prove that in today's world, um, you can build a business that does fabulously well, but also does good. And um, Great concept, uh, for sure. I, I know I was involved with a couple of students when we started a basketball apparel company called And One. And yeah. right from the outset, we were very, uh, very clear we were going to give, I believe it was 10% of all revenue to uh, charitable wow. organizations. And we, yeah. and we matched any donations uh, from our employees uh, and, and gave them time off to volunteer, do volunteer work. And it was, it was with absolutely a mission, very much like what it is that you're talking about, but it sounds like you're doing it on a such bigger scale, which is very, well, very fortunate. We've been fortunate because when we opened our first store nine years ago tomorrow, um, we, d- we didn't really know uh, if this concept of fast pizza would take off, um, and it has, um, and people have loved it, and, and we've kind of pioneered what has become a very active and competitive segment of the restaurant industry, which is now referred to as fast casual pizza. So we're going to have um, to understand exactly what that is. Let me first remind our audience, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. 
And we are currently talking to Scott uh, Svensson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Mod Pizza. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And Scott, I've got to find out, so what is Fast Pizza? And and help us understand, you know, what exactly is Mod Pizza and why is Mod Pizza different than other pizza? Yeah, so... When we originally looked at the marketplace and decided that this was a concept that we wanted to try, we realized that the pizza industry, which is a $40 billion industry, was big and, and um, uh, well-loved by the consumer, but that it had had a shocking lack of innovation uh, over the last generation. Um, the most dynamic thing that had happened to pizza out, for, that was consumed outside of the home was the uh, creation of California Pizza Kitchen 35 years ago. A great concept, but 35 years old. Um, Most of the innovation that's taken place in pizza over the last 10 or 20 years has been in the delivery space, where Domino's has done an amazing job becoming a really technology-enabled service. And then in the chef-driven local restaurant scene, which again is very dynamic, but in the the larger branded um, pizza outside of the home category, there'd been very little innovation. And we then looked at that, And we also looked at what was happening in restaurants more broadly, where there was a ton of innovation, particularly in what is known as fast casual, bringing the best of quick service, the the value and the speed, and combining it with the best attributes of casual dining, a more elevated food uh, quality and service experience. And the the best known brands in that category today are, are concepts like Chipotle, some of the the better burger concepts, uh, such as Five Guys and and In-N-Out Burger, uh, sorry, I should say um, um, uh, Shake Shack, um, and then many others in the Mediterranean and and uh, other categories had had developed this hybrid fast casual format, and which is very well suited today's busy lifestyles, elevated expectations, but still a, 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 a requirement or a demand for value, and we simply applied that model to pizza, which hadn't been done before. So if you walk into Mod today, you, you walk up to a, a make line where you're greeted by a, uh, a builder, a member of the Mod squad, and they will make for you, in front of you, in an open kitchen, uh, one of our 10 classic pizzas, or you can have any pizza made for you right in front of you, made super fast. It generally takes about a minute to two minutes to make your pizza, and then it's dropped into a gas-fired display oven that cooks your pizza in about three minutes. Wow. So from beginning to end, you, you have a product made freshly for you exactly the way you want it, and it's cooked for you and delivered in six minutes. And it's all for one price, whether or not you get one topping or 20 toppings. We don't charge you uh, any incremental amount. So it's, it's a very fair, transparent, honest approach. Um, and in most of our markets, the, a pizza that's uh, 11 and a half inches, thin crust, artisan style, is anywhere from you know 787 to 827, and that's one price. So you can get whatever you want. And we also have a philosophy that uh, transfers both between the way we treat our people, but also our customers, which is we believe in second chances. And so if you go down the line and you make a pizza that you think sounds good and Ultimately, it doesn't taste quite as good as it ima- you imagined it. We'll make you another one, no questions asked. Well, That's just kind of part of, the, this part of the, the philosophy and part of our culture, which is we know that if we treat our people well, 
uh, and we, we, we treat them like they were our own family, that they will reciprocate by treating us well and treating the customers well. And we also know that if we treat the customers well and we treat them fairly, um, that that will result in, in them uh, becoming loyal uh, customers. So, so I assume you know, have, very few people take advantage of that and say, you know, I'm halfway through with this pizza, but it's not exactly right. Could you make me another one? No, very few do, but um, the reality is occasionally people will, particularly first-time customers. There's a tendency, I think, uh, for customers to believe that more is better. And right. So you'll often see first-time customers asking for more toppings, and it starts to look less like a pizza and more like a pyramid. Um, and, and when the product is cooked and delivered, they realize it's not, it doesn't taste as good as, as you would imagine. And so what we will do is encourage them to come back and we'll make them another one. We'll do it in a way that we think is more conducive to a really high quality product, which is one layer of topping. Sometimes less is more, the flavors are more accentuated and, and we'll make it for them. And I'll tell you, simple acts like that are really the things that that will drive loyalty because if if they believe that you have their best interests at heart, which is a byproduct of a very fair, transparent, simple approach, um, where we you know if they make a mistake, we've got their back, and where they also believe that we're a company that stands for something beyond profit or product or promotion, um, where we care deeply about our people and making a positive impact in their lives, and we also care deeply about our communities and being a force for good in our communities. I think that's the magic formula where people then want to get behind you and support you. If you've got a great product and a great and great value and a great experience and you top it off with being a company that people believe in and, and want to be associated with, I think that's the magic formula. You've said so many things there that I want to try and pursue. I don't know how we're going to get to all of it, but one of the things is you just talked about the loyalty that it, it engenders. Uh, do you measure your customer loyalty? You know, I wish we had a simple way to do that. I think the way we've done that to date is we've used some of the tools associated with just getting a feel for how people, um, uh, the feedback they provide uh, on mod on social media. And um, we were really gratified that over the course of the last year, we've, we've had two acknowledgments that were really quite powerful. Um, there is a, an organization called Foodable Networks that focuses on the restaurant and food industry. And they came out with a list of the most loved brands based on their um, evaluation of social media feedback. And Mod Pizza was the most loved pizza brand in the country last year. And we were one of the top eight most loved restaurant brands in the country. Really? Um, and then secondly, we just had another social media marketing agency called Buzz. Um, um, uh, so they did a, 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 um, uh, a marketing agency that does something called Buzz Brands, and uh, sure. they're called Fishbowl. Fishbowl is the marketing agency, and they do something called Buzz Brands, and they they look at um, uh, companies that have emerged from a from the emerging status to being larger and more developed, and they look at their social media footprint. And Mod Pizza was the was ranked as the number one Buzz brand of all restaurant concepts in the country last year. So the 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 I think that points to the fact that our consumers are giving us fabulous reviews on social media. Um, we're not perfect, and we know we have a long ways to go to become more consistent and even better at what we're doing. But today, I think um, consumers have responded really well, which is reflected both in that social media response, but also just in the health of our stores. Um, our, our stores are very successful. Our stores are growing in a market where restaurants 
through September had lost 4% uh, traffic over the course of the last 12 months. Traffic was down 4%. Um, our traffic was up strongly. And so um, in, a, in a market where there are some headwinds, uh, we've been very fortunate and our business is very healthy, which I think is partially reflective of the quality of the product and the value, but also partially reflective of who we are as a, as a brand, who we are as a, a member of each of the communities in which we operate. No, those accolades are just uh, fantastic, and congratulations on that. I am Thank really you. curious as to, uh, you said something that surprised me. Why is the restaurant business down 4%? Well, there's a lot of speculation as to why. Um, there, uh, a couple of things people point to is, one, there's been an enormous amount of growth in restaurant, the number of restaurants over the course of the last five or ten years. So there's some concern that there's just an over-provision of restaurants, um, one. Two, there has been an um, inflation in restaurant prices to address particularly rising labor costs, um, but also rising commodity costs. At the same time, you've had deflation in the grocery aisle. So you've had this um, bifurcation where the marginal consumer, they believe, is deciding to eat at home. Um, and so there, and then, then you have just the general um, uncertainty associated with our somewhat unique and crazy uh, political and global uh, geopolitical environment where Again, anytime there's uncertainty, I think consumers are a little bit less willing to spend. So there's been a number of factors um, that people point to. I don't think anybody knows for sure, um, but tra- uh, traffic has been uh, down. And um, uh, meanwhile, but not um, for you, not for you guys. Your traffic's yeah. been up, which is which is absolutely fantastic. Again, let me remind our audience, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're speaking with Scott Svensson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Mod Pizza, with very, very unique approach in what it is that they've done. If you want to give us a call, you can do so at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. I am curious, you know, you've mentioned several things that you've got going for you, how quick it is, how it's one set price, how um, you design it so that it works tailored to the individual customer, and th- that you are positive impact on society. And you named it MOD, which is make on demand. You know, so there are all these different arrays. It's not best pizza uh, by, by brand name. It's not, you know, we contribute to society by brand name. Why'd you focus on uh, MOD? Well, it's interesting. Um, we chose Mod uh, for really the following reason. Mod to us was uh, meant to elicit the energy, the style, the spirit of the Mod era of the 50s and 60s from uh, the, squad. the UK, the Mod Squad, the, that, that living life to the fullest, the innocent rebellion, the, uh, you know, trying to modernize uh, uh, the, the, the way we live, uh, the style and the aesthetic. And you know, there was something about the energy of that time and the music and the, the, the um, uh, mentality that, we really, that really drew us in. And so that was the original inspiration. My wife and I had lived in London for 11 years. We grew up loving the music of that era. And that's what we were pulling from. And so we decided to call it Mod for that reason. And then what we realized was this Mod brand vessel was something that you could approach from a lot of different directions. For us, it was really inspired by that mod era, but it also could stand for made-on-demand. 
It could also stand for modification. We're going to modify, you know, you can come in and modify your pizza in a hundred different ways, or we're modifying the way you approach employing people. We're modifying a lot of things about the traditional approach to building a restaurant business. And it's also about modernizing the way people think about pizza, the way they think about capitalism, the way they think about employment. Um, it, it just had a, a, multi, a multitude of meanings for us, which we loved. It wasn't one-dimensional. Uh, and we, we have a saying, mod is what we make it, or mod is what you make it. And um, I think the word mod, the brand mod, uh, kind of represents that. Uh, really well. So uh, how, how many stores do you have right now? And I'm curious about how you're going about growing, whether you're doing it franchising yeah. or it's all, you know, company owned uh, that yeah. that you've got. I know with within Starbucks, certainly for a long, long time, it was all company owned. That's right. And um, are you doing the same thing? We um, are pre- predominantly company owned. So today we have 280 locations. Wow. Um, we have grown very rapidly over the last three years. We went slow initially. Our first five years, we went from one store to 14 stores. But we did that intentionally to really lay the foundation of our brand, our culture, the operations. And then we say we went slow to go fast. And the last three years, we've taken all of that and we've we've grown it. Um, and for us, growth is a, an incredibly uh, powerful way to amplify the impact that we're able to make with the business. And, and so... And, and how do you decide where you're going to grow? Where's your next store? Well, we, um, we kind of mapped out a, a plan to build out the U.S. We did it predominantly with company-owned stores, but then as we mapped it out and realized that we could successfully execute on a company-owned growth strategy that covered a certain number of markets, we realized that markets beyond that, which we really were excited about, we were going to need to get help to develop, which is why we decided to franchise. And today... As I said, about 25% of our stores are franchised. Um, we went out and selected nine world-class franchise partners who most importantly bought into our unique approach and our culture and our philosophy and who brought an incredible amount of experience and expertise to the table. Uh, so we have a very small group, very aligned, uh, who are fabulous and who are helping us build a better business. And, um, and so we kind of divided up the country first with company-owned markets and then uh, complementary kind of contiguous markets that are partners. Um, and and we've been, like I said, growing rapidly. We've been the fastest-growing restaurant chain in the country for the last two years. Wow. Um, we've been opening about 100 stores a year the last two years, and that rate will continue for the foreseeable future. We, we think we've got a, an incredible amount of runway and white space ahead of us. Uh, we've also expanded to the U.K., which was where my wife and I had spent so much time, and it was kind of a homecoming for us. Um, we have a small group of stores there now with a fabulous uh, partner and a fabulous team, um, and we're, we're slowly starting to think about other markets that would be um, great uh, places for Mod to be internationally, as well as uh, continuing to just build out our markets in the U.S. Because so having so gone from, why are you not in Philadelphia? I know you're around we, Philadelphia, but you're not we are in around. Philadelphia. That's I mean, right. you, got, we, you got me salivating. The bell has been <laughs> rung. Maslow would say, "I'm ready. I'm primed." Yeah, that's that's great. I uh, we have, we often will start out in the suburban markets where um, our where families live. Um, 
that's kind of a core customer for us. So we'll go out into the suburban markets, and then we'll we'll often travel with our customers into where they work, and and that's where we've started. We have um, a reasonable number of stores in central Pennsylvania and in the suburbs outside of Philadelphia, and then down into Baltimore and D.C. and um, and we are you know we're gradually building out. We're um, uh, like I said, uh, we opened four stores last Friday, and we're opening four more stores this week. Um, and uh, we'll open 20 more stores between now and Christmas. So, Speaking of this uh, week, it's Thanksgiving week. What happens to yes. pizza during Thanksgiving week? So for us, it's the best week of the year. Um, no. It is, it's the, well, and it's, it's the best week for the following reason. Um, it's our birthday week, and it's the week of Thanksgiving. So we use this week as an opportunity to celebrate our reason for being. And so we have something which we call spreading modness. And this is our spreading modness week. So from tomorrow, which is our birthday, through Sunday, in every store in the United States, for every pizza we sell, we're giving a dollar towards feeding youth that are um, that that have food insecurity. So um, our target this year, and we've done this every year since the business was started. And we've given away an enormous amount of money to amazing organizations in communities across the U.S. This year, we're focusing all of our efforts on feeding uh, youth at risk. And we are hoping that through the five days from tomorrow through Sunday, that we will raise enough money to give a half a million meals to kids in need. Um, and so that's why it's the best week of the year for us, is that it's the, it's the week where our real purpose and reason for being uh, comes to life for everybody to be able to focus on. And, and it's that's the great. happiest and most exciting week of the year for us. That, that's great. Last, last 30 seconds, I have a quick question for you, which is, um, what's next? Besides the geographic location you know, expansion, are you going to, into other types of foods, or what's, what's next for you? Well, it's a, it's a fabulous conversation, which will take longer than 30 seconds to, to, to explore, but we... We think there's a, an amazing opportunity to use our business as a platform to change the world, and we're, we're leaning into that very heavily. So what's next for us is just trying to figure out what that next chapter is for how we can take um, our current impact to the next level. And it's the thing that we talk about the most, and it's the thing that gets the team here most in, uh, passionate and, and excited. That's great. And uh, I'll look forward to getting the, the fuller answer when we have more time. But it sounds fantastic and, and appreciate all the good that you're doing, not just to mention the fabulous pizza that you're making. So thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Please do stay with us. We're going to be right back. And when we come back, we're going to look for any calls that you have on marketing, branding, metrics in the last 15 to 20 minutes of the show, anything about Black Friday and the Macy's Day Parade. If you want to join the conversation, please give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Or send us an email at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. This is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on SiriusXM 111.